Hope you all are safe and in best of your health. I'm pleased to welcome you all to this conference call to discuss our Q3 and nine months FY21 results. Our results materials have been uploaded on our website and you may like to download and refer it during our discussion. The discussion today may include some forward-looking statements and these must be viewed in conjunction with the risks that our businesses face. On the call today, we have with us our Chairman, Mr. Ajay Piramal, Nandini Piramal, Executive Director, Mr. Rajesh Ladda, Executive Director, Mr. Khushru Jijina, Managing Director, uh, Piramal Capital and Housing Finance, Mr. Jairam Sridharan, CEO of our retail financing business, and Mr. Vivek Valsraj, CFO of the company. With that, I would like to hand it over to our Chairman and would request him to share his initial thoughts. Over to you, sir. Good day and welcome to our investor call. The third quarter was marked by a pickup in recovery across various sectors within the economy. Economic activity in India is fast approaching pre-pandemic levels, aided by government and the RBI stimulus. With the IMF now forecasting that India will be the fastest growing economy during the next fiscal. This growth momentum has been supported by the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines. However, with vaccinations underway, the next few months remain crucial for sustained recovery. In the sectors we operate in, financial services and pharma, we continue to see good growth. Healthcare is among the champion sectors that the government would like to focus on to enhance the sector's competitiveness, thereby creating more jobs higher contribution to GDP, and export to global markets. The sector was also one of the key areas of focus in the union budget, and the government has doubled the funds allocated to this sector. The government and RBI have played an important role in supporting the NBFC sector during this period. Schemes like the Special Purpose Vehicle to Purchase short-term papers from eligible NBFCs and housing finance companies, and partial credit guarantee schemes enable the sector to access the required liquidity. Recently, the RBI has also proposed a revised regulatory framework formulated on a scale-based approach, which focuses on reducing systemic risk to the country's financial system. We welcome these regulatory proposals as this should augur well for well-governed NBFCs, HFCs. While we transition towards normalcy in the coming months, we see consolidation speeding across sectors as recovery will be highly asymmetric across companies. Given this macroeconomic backdrop, let me briefly touch upon the quarter performance before I talk about the company's strategic roadmap. The performance for the last quarter, as well as for nine months, uh, has been that we have continued to deliver a resilient performance in both these periods. Revenues have been largely stable at 3,169 crores for the third quarter and 9,408 crores for the nine months, in line with our stated strategy over the last few quarters towards changing our financial services business model 
from a real estate wholesale-led NBFC to a well-diversified NBFC. Net profit grew by 10% to 799 crores in the third quarter and by 12% to 1,923 crores in the nine months. On a quarter-on-quarter basis, the third quarter of FY21 net profit has grown by 27% over the second quarter's net profit. PL has had a history of multiple successful transformations, and I want to just share some of this with you. In the last 32 years, PEL has undergone several such transformations. The first transformation was in 1988 when we exited the pharma, the textile business and entered into the pharmaceutical business. Through a series of M&As, organic growth, joint ventures and alliances, we created one of the largest pharma companies in India. The second transformation took place in 2010 when we sold our domestic formulations business to Abbott for $3.8 billion, which was a multiple of nine times sales and 30 times EBITDA, which was the highest value for any generic pharma deal globally till now. We rebuilt a pharma business model and scaled it all the way back to get a valuation of $3 billion with Carlyle in the last in this year we've also created a differentiated financial services business at scale mna has been a force multiplier in all our journeys through these transitions we have delivered healthy returns to shareholders over the last 32 years the company has delivered a revenue kager of 23 percent net profit CAGR of 28% and shareholders return of 24% CAGR. Today, in 2021, we are positioning ourselves for our next transformation, our boldest one yet. You would ask why now? Many radical changes have happened in the real estate and wholesale lending landscape in the last few years. When such changes happen, it is always useful to step back and relook at our strategy. Moreover, in pharma, our non-compete period with Abbott is now over, opening up new possibilities. It is 2021, the world coming out of COVID, and we are emerged on the stronger side. It is a good time to think about the next 10 years. We are now executing two major transformations. Firstly, transforming our financial services business through multiple initiatives, including the acquisition of THFL. And secondly, transforming our pharma business into a large, differentiated, listed pharma company post the Carlyle Capital raise, thereby moving from a multi-sector conglomerate structure into focused listed entities within pharma and the financial services sector. Our pharma business is quite differentiated from most other Indian pharma companies 
and we plan to organize a Farmer Day virtual event during this month to take you through our Farmer business in more detail. For the financial services transformation, we are executing on five important transformations in the financial services. And we continue to make progress on our strategic priorities in the financial services business. The first transformation is from being a largely wholesale lending business model, mostly focused on real estate, we are working towards transforming our business model to a well-diversified financial services business. We want to create a lending portfolio where retail will be 50% of the lending book in the near term. In this direction, we plan to grow retail through an organic buildup as well as the DHSL acquisition and further reduce or maintain the size of our wholesale book. And then the organic retail buildup, we have launched multi-product retail lending platform in 2020 and we have commenced disbursements in this third quarter of the current year. We've launched six new products during the third quarter and will be launching new products every month going forward. We have built, we have built a FinTech-led digital platform which will be modular in structure, having an ability to add multiple products. The platform has seen healthy initial traction as disbursements and logins have picked up month on month since the launch. We are now live in all 40 locations. More importantly, we have gradually pivoted the retail lending business towards mass affluent and affordable housing with no fresh disbursements in the affluent housing finance business. This will help us improve our profitability in our retail segment as well in future. As you know, we have just recently uh, done the DHFL transaction. The DHFL acquisition will give a significant push towards achieving this diversification of our book sooner. DHFL's retail loan portfolio will also help in jump-starting our organic retail business as it will lead to expansion in presence of the business with additional branches and customer reach. The Committee of Creditors voting, voting ended in January 2021, and the COC declared the plan submitted by us as a successful resolution plan. It gives us great satisfaction that we received 94% of the votes reflecting our group's credibility and our balance sheet strength. In order to meet our diversification targets, we are looking at our wholesale book and reducing it consciously or maintaining it at a similar size. The second transformation is to move from concentrated exposures to granular exposures in the existing lending book. Our top 10 exposures have reduced 27% since March 2019 from 18,400 crores to 13,400 crores. 
only one account at 15% of net worth with only three accounts greater than 7% of net worth. The retail businesses that we are building under a multi-product platform also will have much granular ticket sizes as compared to the affluent retail business that we have been doing. We also now, our third transformation in the financial services is to move from a high leverage ratio to a high capital adequacy ratio. Capital inflows have been 18,000 crores since to April 19 through various market, uh, capital market transactions. The total equity of PEL stands at 35,467 crores, which is an increase of 30% since March 2019. These steps have significantly strengthened our balance sheet. Our net debt to equity is now below 0.9 versus 2x in September 2018. We've done significant deleveraging with a net debt reduction of 24,000 crores from 55,000 crores in March 2019 to 31,000 crores. The financial services business is more than adequately capitalized. Our capital adequacy ratio is at 31% as of December 2020 versus 22% in December 2018. Our net debt for the financial services business is 1.9 times amongst the lowest across sizable NBFCs, HFCs in India. Given this strong capital adequacy ratio, we believe there is significant opportunity to improve utilization of the equity capital available to the business, and we do not expect that our financial services business would be in need of any further equity capital raise as the business has adequate growth capital for the next three to five years. Our next transformation is moving from short-term liabilities to stable long-term borrowings. Apart from reducing the overall leverage, we have significantly shifted our borrowing mix towards long-term. 12,800 crores of long-term debt has been raised in the last nine months despite COVID crisis. Our CP exposure remains low at 1,000 crores, a reduction of 94% since its peak in September 2018. As a result, ALM profile has improved with significant positive gaps in all the buckets. Another transformation that we have done is moving from regulatory provisioning to a conservative provision coverage ratio. We now maintain conservative provisions of 2,935 crores, which is equivalent to 6.3% of the overall loan book versus 1.8% a year ago. Our total provision as a percentage of the gross NPA is at 172% versus 100% a year ago. Our provision against stage one and two loans has increased to 
rupees 2000 crores in December 20 from 700 crores in December 2019. As a result, non-NPA assets have a provisioning of 4.5% as of December 2020. With total provisions as a percentage of loan book stand at 6.3%, the provisioning against wholesale loans is higher at 6.8%. I would now like to uh, <clears throat> give comments on the asset quality. The real estate sector has shown a healthy revival over the last few months and has started performing better since the last quarter. In fact, residential real estate sales have now surpassed pre-COVID levels in most of the large markets. As per industry estimates, sector-wise sales across major cities in October to December 20 were 23% higher than in the January to March quarter of 2020. We have observed a similar development in our developers' performance. During the third quarter of the current year, sales of our de developer clients increased 92% over the previous year. Their collections from home, home buyers were 49% higher than the previous year, same period and construction activity is at 100% of the projects. However, it is important to note that government incentives, especially the stamp duty reduction in Maharashtra, played an important role in providing a boost to the real estate sector. The uptick in the real estate sector should ensure that our asset quality remains intact, if not improve in the future. I'll talk now about our one-time restructuring. In the third quarter, we invoked one-time restructuring for loans worth 1,741 crores, amounting, accounting for 3.8% of the loan book. This was much lower than what we expected earlier. Within the wholesale portfolio, the pickup in the real estate market also gets reflected in the fact that there was only one real estate exposure which is getting restructured. The other three deals were from sectors such as hospitality, autocoms, and infra structures, sectors that got more impacted by COVID. Within the retail portfolio, the share of loans restructured was even lower at 1%. The GNPA ratio stood at 3.7% as of December 2020. The quarter-on-quarter -quarter increase in our gross NPA is largely due to slippage of one account from stage two to stage three and the lower base effect because of the reduction in the loan book size. While the pro forma GNPA ratio, that is without considering the Honorable Supreme Court's dispensation on NPA classification is 3.7%, the GNPA with dispensation would have been 2.7%. Also, there was no major change in the net NPA ratio, which was 1.8% as of December 20. As I mentioned, we continue to maintain conservative provisions of 
2,935 crores, which is equivalent to 6.3% of overall loan book. And we believe that these provisions are more than adequate to meet any future contingencies that may arise due to the impact of COVID. I now want to talk about the transformation in the pharma business. Post the sale of the domestic formulations business to Abbott, we've rationalized our pharma business portfolio and are focused on three core pharma verticals with a long runway to grow. Contract manufacturing, critical care, and the India consumer products. The company has delivered consistently strong performance. Pharma revenue has grown three and a half times at a CAGR of 15% from 1537 crores in FY11 to 5400 crores in FY20. EBITDA has gone up 13 times at a CAGR of 33% from 110 crores in FY11 to 1436 crores in FY20. EBITDA margins have also improved significantly from 7% in FY11 to 26% in FY20. During the quarter, the CDMO and India consumer products delivered strong performance, growing at 16% and 14% respectively. The complex hospital generics business was impacted by volatility in the demand of products used in surgeries globally, and we expect to normalize in the next quarters. EBITDA of 296 crores for a quarter at an EBITDA margin of 22% was marginally, in, marginally impacted due to the volatility in the complex hospital generics business. To accelerate our organic and inorganic plants in the coming years, we have subsidized our pharma businesses and raised fresh capital from Carlyle. The Carlyle deal of fresh in, uh, equity investment of $560 million in the pharma business for a 20% stake has established an EV valuation of nearly $3 billion U.S. dollars. During the quarter, we have received 3,523 crores on closure of the 20% strategic growth investment by the Carlyle Group during the quarter. Our quality culture remains <clears throat> without blemish. We've cleared 36 U.S. FDA inspections, 177 other regulatory, and 1,167 customer audits since FY11 without a single day of product stoppage due to these regulatory inspections. And we continued on this strong quality record with 17 successful regulatory inspections during the year. During the quarter, we've done both organic and inorganic expansions. In the CDMO space, we continue to see a healthy development order book despite COVID challenges. In order to meet this demand, we intend to invest both organically and inorganically in the CDMO business. We announced an investment of $32 million in our Riverview facility for additional capacity in potent and non-potent API development and manufacturing. In June, we had acquired a solid oral dosage 
facility in Sellersville, Pennsylvania. <clears throat> in the ho complex hospital generic space, we've announced the acquisition of our 49% remaining stake in Convergence Chemicals. In the consumer products business, we launched 15 new products and 35 plus SKUs during the year, highest ever new launches with most products being successful. With the non-expiry of Abbott, we see that as an opportunity to get back into the segment. <clears throat> I now want to comment a little bit on the structure of the company. In the last few years, we have taken several steps in our journey towards the simplification of the corporate structure of the company, taking into account the feedback that we've received from many investors. During the last one year, we strengthened both the businesses, pharma and financial services, with multiple capital raise initiatives to enable them to stand independently in the future. We simplified the structure with the sale of DRG. We brought all the pharma businesses under one subsidiary, Piramal Pharma Limited, and strengthened its balance sheet with fresh equity infusion for future growth. Piramal Pharma also has a separate board with its own executive and independent directors now. With the acquisition of DHFL, our financial services business will be more resilient and future-ready as a separate entity. With all these initiatives, we have already become simpler and stronger and continue to make progress towards our stated objective of demerging the financial services and pharma businesses. In conclusion, I would say that we've now simplified our corporate structure with focus on the two core businesses, financial services and pharmaceuticals. We are transforming our financial services business through granularity, adequate provisioning, and strong capitalization to tap the future growth opportunities arising out of consolidation with an objective to create a well-diversified financial services business. Post the capital raise, the pharma business has started investing organically and inorganically in all the three businesses. We have clearly defined roadmaps in place for both the financial services and the pharma businesses to deliver strong and sustained long-term performances and both the businesses are progressing on the same. I am confident in conclusion that these businesses will emerge as two strong companies which will have a good runway for growth in the long term. Thank you. Yeah, operator, we can take questions now. Thank you very much. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchstone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Participants are requested to use handsets while asking a question. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while the question queue assembles. Reminder to the participants, anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one at this time.
The first question is from the line of Aditya Jain from City Group. Please go ahead. Good evening. Um, could we talk a little bit about the DHFL acquisition? Um, a few details on um, what portion of the wholesale loans could be sold, uh, what you would like to retain. Um, do you see any upside potential from the wholesale loans? So they've been acquired at a sizable discount. Um, is there a view on how much uh, excess value could be there? And uh, your assessment of the branches and people. So it's been in bankruptcy process for some time. Uh, has there been a lot of attrition among people? Is the branch network in line uh, with your strategy going forward? Let me uh, first comment on the wholesale book. The wholesale book, uh, we are examining it, and we think that there is an upside. How much of the upside, we are not in a position to comment upon, but uh, we do feel that there is an upside in it. We will decide what we want to do with the wholesale book. That is a question that once we get more details, we will understand and we will share with you. As far as the branches is concerned, I'll ask Jairam to comment on it. Hi. Uh, thank you for your question. Uh, yes, we, uh, we do think that uh, there is a lot of potential in these branches and our intent would be uh, from say zero, try and find a way to get a significant proportion of them um, getting started from a business standpoint as well as getting ready to cross-sell uh, other non-housing products that uh, that we have in the in the Piyamal city. Uh, that's what we're going to be working towards. If you look at the branches today, um, uh, of the entire branch network, our current assessment is that there Sir, are... Can I request you to maybe come out, step out and talk because your network is not seeming to be... Uh, we're not able to hear you well. Uh, is, is this a little bit better, Hitesh? Not uh, good enough. Okay. One second. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can you restart your response? Yes, please. Okay. So, um, uh, um, I was saying say that there, our intent with the uh, network of uh, DHFL is going to be to work uh, to a place where uh, from day zero we are able to um, uh, originate uh, some businesses. We are able to cross-sell other products that we have in the Piramal Kitty uh, on top of uh, the affordable housing business that DHFL themselves have been good at, etc. So we have started our um, assessments, uh, uh, you know, using publicly available data um, on this. Our current assessment is that uh, um, that a little less than half the branches uh, are are in a place where uh, business uh, there is uh, the right level of staffing, etc., that the business can start. We will continue to update our um, uh, update our thinking um, uh, based on how the approval processes work and how, uh, and uh, uh, and our assessment of the individual uh, branches work. To your question on attrition, uh, there was a, a, a meaningful level of attrition um, a year ago, uh, and once the um, uh, once the uh, HFL went into NCLT. However, uh, in the last few months, as it has been clear that the the uh, IBC process is succeeding and that there is a, a new buyer coming up, attrition levels uh, have uh, reduced quite substantially. So uh, nothing new uh, has happened on the attrition front in recent times, and we don't believe much is going to happen um, now till, uh, uh, till management control transitions. Got it. So you mentioned that 50% of the branches have enough staffing. So it, 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 did I get that correctly? So basically you have... Uh, some hiring to go uh, before uh, you know it's back to full capacity um, and it can get back to business as usual. Uh, 
I would say that uh, the sales capacity is there to do significant level of business. Of course, not much business is going on right now. Collections capacity is there. Uh, what we need to assess, and we will, uh, you know, once you uh, once we are able to get in, uh, what we will need to assess is uh, is credit and uh, and and. Uh, Putting the right audit trails in place, etc., and uh, that's the area where there is still a little bit of uncertainty, which we'll need to look into. Got it. Thank you. I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Tushar Manudani from Motila Loswal Financial Services. Please go ahead. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so just now that uh, the about non-compete clause is over, so just would like to have clarity in terms of you know. Uh, in first place, the, how uh, attractive now domestic formulation piece looks for you, and if so, how do we plan to enter? Is it like acquiring the product portfolio, building a core MR team, or acquiring company? So, and if so, then are there any assets available? Thank you. So we uh, will look at uh, all the different uh, methods that you've said. One is that we are expanding our portfolio through the OTC space as well that we already have the sales and distribution uh, network. Besides that, we are looking at both portfolios and companies. And it, as uh, we have always maintained that we will only do something when we find that there is a good strategic mix on one side and that there is value that is to be created on the other. So it's a combination of those two. And as and when opportunities come, we, will, we already examine them, but till now we have not found anything which fits in with our criteria. But on the other hand, as I said, we are finding there are lots of opportunities in the CDMO space and the complex hospital generic space. We did one acquisition in the June, and we are looking at completing a few more. Because today, the pharma business is very well capitalized and the very low debt to equity ratio. And just on this Carlyle deal, uh, the my upside component of up to 360 million dollars. Any clarity on that? So it's still there. Uh, we have to uh, look what the numbers would be in the uh, the last quarter, and at that time we'll be able to uh, comment on it better. And I'm just lastly on uh, complex hospital generics, where uh, uh, there's a mention in presentation about winning significant contracts. Uh, is it possible to quantify and hence, uh, and given that there was volatility over the past couple of quarters in this business, so the new contracts and stability in the existing uh, contracts, how does it uh, shape up in terms of the uh, uh, revenue for uh, I mean, revenue going forward? So revenue going forward, we are pretty confident that we should be able to maintain good growth rates in this space. We have got a few large contracts and one very large contract, yes. This has been a, v, a W-shaped recovery, if I can say, because the first quarter of the current year, the sales, especially in April, May, were slow. Then they picked up. Then again, there was a second wave of uh, COVID in the U.S., in Europe, which are our largest markets, and now there's another third wave. So once these things settle down, once the vaccinations come, there is a big backlog of surgeries now in these areas, uh, and we expect that things will come back to normal in the uh, in the next financial year. Thank you. That answers my question. Thanks a lot. Thank you. The next question is from the line of 
Kunal Shah from ICICI Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, again to touch upon on this uh, uh, Divan deal. So uh, when we look at it in terms of uh, the book of uh, Divan, which is the uh, 28,000 wholesale and 32-order uh, retail. So if you can just give some color in terms of what we would have paid, how much value we would have ascribed to its uh, retail, wholesale, and uh, for the distribution franchise uh, that it is uh, holding, along with the cash uh, that it uh, carries. And finally, in terms of the structuring, how this is going to happen, because if, uh, again, like 28 or 1,000 crores of wholesale gets added into our pool of 40 or 1,000 crores, so that will, again, take it much higher. Okay, so now maybe how the structuring of wholesale retail within the existing financial services business is going to be. Rajesh will answer that, but I don't think we can give you a separate uh, valuation for wholesale and retail. But uh, the other questions, uh, Rajesh will answer. Yes, at a very high level, probably we can answer it right now. Uh, the wholesale book, while the, the the stated value or the gross block, which is appearing in DHFL's book, which is not 28,000, is much higher than that actually. Uh, we are going to uh, account for that at at much lower valuation because uh, we have assigned a very low value uh, to, to the wholesale portfolio. So it's not 28,000 getting added, added to, to uh, our uh, portfolio. Uh, point number one. Point number two, in terms of separate valuation, uh, we have not done it that way. I think we have uh, overall paid close to about, uh, not paid actually, uh, total value which is got assigned to the portfolio is about 34,000, which we are settling about 14,700 through uh, upfront payment and about 19,550 odd crore of issuance of 10-year paper. Uh, to be to be given to the existing DHFL lenders. So that's the overall valuation which we have described to the entire DHFL company as a whole. Okay, so now the overall uh, gross block of uh, DHFL itself will be marked down and that's the only addition that is going to be there in our pool. Absolutely. Okay, and on uh, retail, do we see uh, the need for any markdowns as such from what is disclosed on in terms of the overall gross block of uh, uh, demand, or uh, that will be at uh, uh, maybe the existing value which is there? Retail would be broadly uh, at, at the gross block which is there, which is uh, there, are, there are two parts to that. One is the uh, the AUM on the balance sheet, and there is some part which is coming through the securitization which DSFL has done over the last 18 months the MRR portion of that. So in total, it's about 28,000, 29,000 crore of retail book which is remaining. And that will come at the, at the gross, gross valuation. We don't anticipate a significant markdown on the retail portfolio at the time of uh, merger. Sure, sure. And uh, uh, in terms of the, the restructuring, so we highlighted there were four accounts. Uh, so this is something which has got accepted, but is there more which has got uh, invoked and uh, the approval would come through, uh, say, in the next quarter or so, because that assessment uh, would have been left. And secondly, in terms of the entire DCCO extension, for what proportion of the pool uh, would we have taken that benefit of uh, DCCO extension? Hello? Yeah. So first, let me answer Kushu Jina here. 
let me answer on the otr the otr exercise is over so to answer your question there is no more in the fourth quarter which should be added and uh, as uh, mr piramal also mentioned there is only one in the re space one in the infra and uh, one in the hospitality and one in the auto component space so that's the total on the otr which has been invoked i uh, we do not see any more to be added as far as the dcco is concerned again uh, that was done quite early in the day in, in in terms of you have to look at dcco in terms of our entire resolution which we had spoken long time back as soon as the covid had broken out so that exercise we had actually completed much earlier in the quarter of this uh, financial year and that would be around uh, ranging between 10 to 12% of the book is what we had done that time itself but of course as you know the market has played out much better and that's why you do see uh, things panning out better than what we had envisaged so that would be 10 to 12 lot of percent yeah uh, but that was done at the beginning of the year okay okay and last question in terms of the uh, reduction of the concentration and the top 10 exposures and uh, maybe there were news around few of the names uh, uh, so just to want to know uh, maybe we had seen round about 1000 odd crores at least in the top 10 but overall reduction has been 4000 so are we seeing outside of the top 10 maybe there is a higher prepayment uh, which is happening and uh, maybe uh, going forward we will see much coming through in the top 10 exposures because uh, maybe we were expecting more to come in from the top 10 uh, and that could have led to the overall rundown in the old sales sequentially if i have to look at it from 14700 to 13400 while the wholesale book is down by almost like 4000 odd crores yeah so i think uh, let me break it up into parts first of all uh, we need to talk about re and non re i think if you recollect there was a lot of concern last year about our infrastructure portfolio which is actually down as we speak on december to uh, 2375 and in fact in january it is down by another 100 crores so that has also impacted because at one particular time the total uh, infra book was almost 4500 crores so you need to look at it in that way uh, coming back to the re book uh, you are partly right because all uh, our exposures are coming down it's not only the top exposures as mr piramal mentioned that we are bringing all of them down below 7% and uh, a majority of them are now below 3 uh, are between 3 to 5% coming to the top uh, uh, 10 exposures again uh, 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 you will see a steady fall uh, quarter on quarter uh, in fact uh, one of the uh, developments which has recently happened is with the loda exposure uh, it has already come down from 3200 and odd to 2670 and in fact it was 3300 it's come down to 2671 but more importantly if you recollect every time we have been saying that one of the positives of loda was that the security was turning into finished goods so thanks to the maharashtra government 2% stamp duty we in fact have now split our deal into two we have we have moved all our finished inventory into an spv now which is fully fully uh, ready inventory of loda with a 1.5 times cover so in fact in march the loda exposure which we expect to be around 2 and 1/2 thousand crores will be actually split into two one would be an exposure to loda which would be 1000 or slightly lower and the balance would be actually an spv exclusively charged to us which is fully ready inventory uh, uh, which uh, helps us to actually monetize it faster and also it's away from the ibc risk because now it's in an spv so you will see this happening quarter on quarter okay and same is done with omkar as well yes so again omkar i think we have been saying it proactively that we have been uh, uh you know our exposures with omkar have really been with counterparties where the developers have been different when omkar was uh, there 
their real responsibility was only to clear the land uh, and our major exposures was, was one in Mahalakshmi where Piramal Realty has already started developing as you are aware and in Krishan Bay, Boyawada where LNT is doing. And that is why proactively because of the same IBC risk we had converted them into receivable uh, assignment of receivables to cut off this whole IBC issue of uh, Loda. Uh, I mean sorry, of Omka. Of Omka. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Piran Engineer from Motilal Oswal. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi. Uh, congrats on the quarter uh, and on winning the bid for DHSL. Uh, I have a few questions. Uh, so firstly, if you can just tell us what is your stage two loan number uh, as of December and uh, the comparable September number? Rajesh. Stage three. Yeah, just a minute. So, uh, you know, we don't disclose stage two number, but just to kind of give you a perspective, the bulk of the movement, uh, which is, uh, you know, the increase in the gross NPA is because there's one account which has moved from stage two to stage three. If you look at the total of stage two and stage three, the, if, if the stage two plus stage three was 100 last quarter, it is 105 this quarter. So just 5% increase has happened in the total of stage two plus stage three. Uh, having said that, we don't disclose separately the stage two number. Oh, okay, fair enough. So my next question is, you know, over the past two years, you've done a good job on de-risking the balance sheet, de-leveraging, but our cost of funds still remains quite elevated. So, you know, in your conversation with bankers, what really is needed to get your cost of funds back down? And you know, also the reason I'm also asking this is because, you know, your retail lending segment uh, is at 11-12% yield. So what is your assumption on cost of funds to make this business really viable and thriving? Because these segments are highly competitive and without a competitive cost of funds, what really would be a right to win? So let me comment on cost of funds. So one of the reasons that you need to look at cost of funds is actually at the net interest margin, which is at 6.2%, which is quite healthy. The reason why our cost of funds is higher is because it was more wholesale dominated and banks would charge on that. But going forward, I can see that the cost of funds will come down. Besides, your retail question is very important, and that's why what we've got for DHFL is 10-year money at 6.75%. So itself is bringing down the cost of funds and you will see a marked improvement. How, <clears throat> over a period of time, I can see that cost of funds will come down because of the diversification. The more we go into retail, it will uh, come down. And we expect that in the near future, sometime we should also get, and with a more diversified granular book, a uh, upgrade in terms of the credit rating, which will also impact the cost of funds. Okay, fair enough. And my last question uh, is for Jairam. Uh, what is our target customer segment in the personal loans product? And the reason I'm asking is because the average ticket size of 30,000 is very similar to that in uh, microfinance. So I'm just trying to get my sense around, you know, what we are, uh, who we are really trying to give a personal loan to. Right. 
So right now, our, the the personal loans that we have started, and I will reiterate first of all that these are uh, this is a very small experimental level that we are trying out a few things to see which product actually has good take or which variant of the product has good take in the market. So uh, don't don't pay too much attention to the specific details on personal loans or purchase finance. Both of them are in sort of test and learn stage right now. But that said, right now we are live in the urban markets only. We have not gone rural at all. We have not gone semi-urban either. So we are in urban markets uh, and uh, doing digital and partnership-led um, personal finance. So I want to I want to start that with very small ticket size. Uh, so these are uh, basically um, uh, young customers, first-time jobbers. That's the broad uh, segment in urban markets. That's the broad segment. Um, the, uh, uh, the the salary range for all of our uh, um, uh, for all of these uh, these customer bases are are going to be broadly in that sort of um, uh, you know twenty five to fifty thousand kind of range monthly income range. Oh, okay, perfect. That answers it. Uh, thanks a lot, and all the best. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Nishin Chavate from Kotak Securities Limited. Please go ahead. Mr. Chavate, your line is in hi. mode. Yeah, hi. Am I audible now? Yes, you are. Sure. Uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, you know, the first one is uh, really on the timeline for the DHFL transaction. Uh, you know, what happens next and uh, when do we see this uh, kind of you know, completely getting integrated with uh, our business? Uh, the second one is, uh, you know, trying to understand the difference yield, uh, you know, that you're showing on slide number 13. Uh, what you are saying is that your weighted average yield in the new products is around 11.8%. So just trying to get a little bit of sense as to, you know, how does it differ product-wise. And uh, the third one is uh, just to understand, you know, which are the three partnerships that uh, went live in this quarter. So maybe DHFL, if Rajesh, you can answer and... Uh... The others, uh, Jairam? Yeah. So, as you all know that the DHFL, uh, the voting results came out on 15th of January, post which uh, uh, an application has gone to RBI for uh, for clearing the, the proposal uh, on behalf of Piramal Capital. Uh, we expect this approval to come in next week to 10 days' time, and after that, the NCLP filing will be done by the administrator of DHFL. Uh, and if there are not any significant uh, litigation during that process, we expect that process to get over in the next two to three months' time, which will take us to, say, by April, May. And after that, it will be about 30 to 45 days process to close it. So I think in all, if I were to summarize, it will be end May, mid-June. Uh, by that time, we'll be able to uh, Major will get completed, and we'll be able to consolidate that into our fold. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, and if I may, if I may take your um, uh, your uh, other questions, I think one question was on yields, and uh, we are sort of uh, we are at the high 11s in terms of uh, average yield of new business. You asked where that is coming from. 
So we have uh, four significant product lines right now. Forget the unsecured stuff, et cetera, which is an experimental. That it's too small. It won't move the needle. Um, the uh, we have four major product lines, and uh, our sort of lowest yield product line is Martha Affluent Housing, which is uh, which is just a shade under 11%. Uh, and um, then we have uh, our loan against property business, uh, which is uh, which is just around 11 and 12% range. Um, then you have uh, your affordable housing business. Which is uh, uh, which is also about the 12% range, and you've got small business lending, uh, which is uh, closer to 13%. So those are the yield ranges that we are playing in right now. Uh, remember that we are we are um, our core uh, markets are small town, midtown India. So we are not competing in the major cities at all, um, and, uh, and and we are uh, and we are seeking customers uh, who are uh, are not uh, served um, uh, very well. By um, uh, by the banking system, and uh, and that allows us to uh, to extract the right yield for uh, for the type of risk uh, that one takes on. There was one other question, though I'm forgetting. What was that? Yeah, that was basically the partnership that uh, went live this quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the partnership we went live with uh, right now is a uh, is a fintech partnership. Uh, we went live with Vest Money uh, as our uh, as a partner. We have uh, three more uh, fintech partnerships lined up uh, for uh, for Q4. That uh, that we are, that uh, and some of them are uh, unsecured and some of them are secured products. Uh, not ready to talk about them yet, though. But in the next uh, two or three months, you should see a couple more of these partnerships going live. Uh, our intent with respect to partnerships is to not get not build um, a heavily concentrated partnership portfolios. We want to be well diversified uh, so that there's no one specific big um, uh, uh, you know uh, partnership risk on both sides, either for a partner or for us. Perfect. That answers my question. Thank you very much and all the best. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Abhijit Tribrival from Reliance Securities. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my question. Uh, I mean, my question is an extension of what Nishant asked in the last uh, question. Uh, so, I mean, I delve on this fintech partnerships because, I mean, like uh, Jairam suggested, that we're looking at some more partnerships in both secured and unsecured products. So what are the contours of, of these partnerships? Is, it, is there a spread sharing arrangement or is it just a free income that you give to these fintech partners? Right now, uh, we will experiment with, uh, with with various business models, Abhijit. But what we are uh, what we are doing right now is the is the simplest version, which is w we keep all the float uh, economics or uh, you know most of the float economics, and uh, and there is a um, and there is a risk cover that uh, or a first uh, first payment default cover that is there from the partner. Okay, okay, okay. And 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 this entire servicing is being done by your fintech partners. Um, the, the, the front ending is being done by the fintech partners, but uh, but but all the back end stuff is ours. Okay, okay, all right, thanks. And my second question was around uh, this one exposure that you suggested has slipped from stage two to stage three. So, what was the quantum of this exposure? And also, uh, what I wanted to understand is why we have restructured uh, four four large exposures, uh, one each in RD infra uh, auto pumps. Uh, why is it that we, we let this exposure, and I think one in hospitality as well, why is it that we let this exposure slip from stage 2 to stage 3 rather than restructure it? Kushru? So uh, while I will not be able to give you a name, it is in the auto ancillary sector. 
and we uh, didn't want to restructure it because we believe that uh, the answer to this fear to get our money back is actually to liquidate the assets now and the company uh, or the assets of the company so it was better to take it to stage 3 so that we can uh, enforce our security because rather than just you know giving them uh, restructuring so that was not working uh, in our favor and that's why we did that to answer your question the amount was around 436 Hello? 436 crores, is it? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And my last question is to uh, Jairam again. Uh, so so did, did we hear you right when you suggested that uh, the yields that you're making in your secure business lending is about 13%? Yes, for the small business secured, yes. Okay, so, so which is which is okay, higher than, than what you're making in your lap? Yes. Because these are different customer segments that you're lending. It's also a smaller ticket size business. It's a 14, 14 lakh ticket size business. Uh, the other is a 35 lakh ticket size business. Right, I see that on your slide. 13, yeah. Thank you so much. All the very best. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Vinod Jain from Wells Fargo Advisors. Please go ahead. Sir, congratulations on the good set of numbers. It's slightly delayed this time. I have two questions. First is that the transaction cost of transfer of karma business of 258 crores is reflected as an exceptional item in the standalone accounts. But where is it reflected in the consolidated accounts for the quarter and the tax deductibility of this number? Yeah, so I'll take that. Uh, in the standalone accounts, as you rightly mentioned, this is treated as an exceptional item and routed through the p uh, and in the consolidated under INDAS 102 in terms of business combinations, this is treated as a common control transaction, and therefore the total amount, uh, including whatever are the gains, are directly taken to reserve. Okay. And my second question is, how do you see the stage three loans number evolving going forward? <clears throat> Kushu, you want to comment on that? Yes. So, you know, as we explained, the real estate market is sort of doing well. Um, to an extent, it is also to do with uh, regulatory uh, developments that have happened on the real estate side. So, you know, the expectation is that it should not kind of uh, go anywhere higher from what level we are at. Uh, having said that, we continue to monitor all our loans uh, well. And, and uh, yes, uh, you know, there's a big comfort that overall real estate market where we have 70-80% of our loan book right now has picked up really well. So, you know, that's kind of a, uh, that's kind of a big comfort. And then, uh, you know, our ability to kind of, uh, you know, reduce our exposures and Mr. Regina talked about Loda, Omkar and some of the other exposure that also shows the kind of, uh, you know, diligence or the kind of, uh, you know, transactions that we have done where we are able to kind of reduce when we are looking forward for. So I think combining all this with the good real estate pickup, we don't expect any major change in NPAs coming going forward. Very well. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Alankar Garude from Macquarie. Please go ahead. Hi. Good evening, everyone. Uh, so firstly on Pharma, the margins have scaled up really well over the last decade uh, to almost 22% currently. Uh, but then uh, CDMO is more than 60% of our pharma sales and some of our Indian CDMO peers operate at more than 40% margins. 
So just wanted to understand: Is there a scale up uh, scope to scale up our pharma margin significantly from current levels? And if yes, what would be the key drivers? Vivek, you could answer that. Yeah, I'll take that. So, uh, uh, as you're aware, our uh, overall pharma business is a global one, uh, and uh, it's got a combination of different kinds of businesses within it, which is the CDMO. Uh, uh, a complex hospital generics and an OTC, each of them operating at different margin uh, percentages. So if you were to compare specific segments of our profitability of the businesses that we are in, they would be comparable with what it is with the peers. It's just that the composite one doesn't uh, uh, look comparable. But to answer your question in terms of margin expansion going forward, uh, 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 as we have already alluded to, that there is significant expansion of capacity which is happening at all our key niche segments in North America. So whether it's at our facility in Lexington or whether it's our facility in Riverview or in Grangemouth, uh, we are seeing a lot of capacity expansion that's been happening. And this will drive margins because these operate in niche segments. So uh, it will be a combination of several initiatives. Uh, one, as I mentioned, in terms of expansion of capacity, and second, in terms of uh, better utilization of our uh, assets, wherever we have capacities at this point in time, we'll see an upward increase in the margins going forward. Fair enough, sir. Uh, and uh, my second question is linked to uh, what you said on, on the CAPEX part. Uh, so it, in the PPD, it's mentioned that uh, we would be keen on acquiring niche uh, manufacturing capabilities. Now, considering the sharp increase in the global uh, CMO, CDMO valuation for the past one year, uh, what would be the broad ticket size you would be comfortable with? Nandini, you could answer that. I think we will look at, uh, it actually has to make strategic sense for us. I think with Carlyle, we actually have the ability uh, to do leverage and to uh, do acquisitions. So I think we're very comfortable with uh, leveraging up the pharma EBITDA, and uh, we will look at acquisitions across. That's all from my side. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Prashil Shah from Capgrow Capital. Please go ahead. Yeah, most of my questions, I mean, all of my questions have been answered. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Aditya Jain from Citigroup. Please go ahead. Hi, a few data point questions. Could you tell us the breakup of individual loan segments within wholesale loans and also the size of the alternate AUM if it's possible? Yeah, Aditya, some of these breakups we can uh, you know discuss with you separately. We'll, we'll have to pull out and give it numbers. All right. Okay. In pharma, the growth in CDMO and consumer products uh, is a little bit slower than we what we saw in 2Q. Um, is there any temporary factor at play, or uh, what is driving that? So, in the uh, pharma business, does tend to be a bit lumpy, especially the CDMO business in terms of how the deliveries are uh, scheduled across the year. So, uh, while uh, Q2 was higher, Q3 was slightly lower but you might see a different uh, uh, thing in Q4 where, again, uh, there will be higher quantum of deliveries. So it's just the lumpiness of how CDMO contracts are. And as far as the consumer products is concerned, uh, we did see a significant uptake uh, of our COVID range during the July to September period where there was a lot of sale happening of sanitizers and uh, the surface disinfectants. That is slightly tapered off now in the October to December period. That's why you see a slight dip. So, again, uh, I also 
the first few months covid was affected because of that the sales were lower the first two months of the year okay but okay. uh, the um, on the growth uh, so um other than the dhsl acquisition um, the book has been contracting on both fronts retail and wholesale is there a view on um, on an organic basis when we can return to growth or is does that link to the cost of borrowing coming down or do you have independently have a target for it so as far as the wholesale book is concerned i said uh, we have said this a while ago we do not expect any growth in that the retail yes. book is going to grow organically because we are actually changing the product mix from a affluent housing uh, loan to a <clears throat> mass housing loan and for the afford- affordable housing so you need to look at it segment wise and i think uh, with uh, dhfl you will see that there will be a significant growth in organic as well correct thank you thank you The next question is from the line of Nishchin Chavate from Kotak Securities Limited. Please go ahead. Yeah, so just a small data question. Uh, what is the outstanding retail loan book? So Nishchin, we have disclosed wholesale number, and there is a total loan book also that has been disclosed. Anyway, so four thousand five. This is the operator, so the audio is breaking from your line. Request you to please repeat yourself. Five thousand three hundred crore. Sure. And this forty-six seven, forty-six thousand three seventy. This does not include the IS, right? I just wanted to double check. Yes, it doesn't include. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, due to time constraint, we will take that as the last question. I now hand the conference over to Mr. Hitesh Tadda for closing comments. Thanks, everyone, for joining on the call. And if you have more questions, uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'll be happy to respond to you. Thank you.